0: The following is a Hoop Ball presentation. What's happening? What's happening? Hello, and welcome back to Hoop Ball Heart. The brand new show here on the Hoopball Network where we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host Brad Harden and we are here recording on Monday, September 14th, the day after the first full slate of NFL games on Sunday and an epic game 6 comeback by the Nuggets, but back to the NFL games, I just want to say who that Who that? I know a lot of Hawks fans. I'm not going to like that, but I'm originally from Louisiana and I bleed black and gold. So you can hold that against me. But y'all holding this L. So that's all that matters. But an L for the NBA right now is the talks of pushing back the draft to at minimum November 18th. According to Woj, the NBA is still tentatively targeting the date of November 18th, but the draft still could move back according to his sources. A virtual setting that would allow the team to have war rooms at their facilities will be the recommended format for the draft. And as far as for next year, talking bubble or non-bubble, the league is preferring an in-market competition instead of the current bubble structure. So I would assume that the teams obviously like the Hawks will play everybody in the Southeast Division. Um, for those who don't know the divisions, uh, look in your newspaper. And if you can't find a newspaper, just look it up online, look it up on the ESPN app or something. But it's I think it's really recommended to do that, especially to limit travel and limit the spreading of the potential coronavirus if something were to happen. Uh, so I see what the league is doing here. Long story short, unfortunately, the league is talking about pushing back the draft, which means the start of the season is going to be pushed back. The start of free agency and trades potentially will be pushed back. So we're just going to continue to be patient here at Hootball Hawks and see what develops. And one of the things that has developed over the last week is that Clint Capella, Atlanta Hawks center, is finally healthy. He is clear to... Resume in five on five work with the team. This will be the first time he's been available since being traded from H Town. Clint Capella has been battling a right foot plantar fasciitis, and workouts begin at the end of September. So that will be a wonderful sight for the Hawks to see Capella in the facility working out with the trainers, with the coaching staff, and seeing the different pieces that they can add to his game. So allow us to reintroduce himself. His name is Clint Capella, the 6'10", 240-pound rim-running center from Switzerland career averages 12 points per game 9.7 total rebounds per game 1.5 blocks per game one steal per game great numbers great numbers and then when you look at per 36 minutes he averages 16.9 points per game two blocks per game one steal and 15.1 rebounds per game so very very effective at scoring around the rim he has a high field goal percentage as well as getting boards, which is always needed when you're playing at the five position. His defensive rating is 105 per 100 possessions and currently has a career block percentage of 4.7%, which right now will put him 20th all time, statistically ahead of Tim Duncan, Shaq, DeAndre Jordan, Josh Smith, the former Atlanta Hawk, and others. And his defensive numbers in the playoffs are even better. Now, I'm not saying that Clint Capella is a Hall of Famer like Duncan Shaq, but to have a block percentage that high means that He is a force when it comes to defending the rim and defending the paint. And that's something that is desperately needed for the Hawks alongside John Collins. We're really excited to have that here last season in 39 games in a shortened season with him obviously getting injured. He averaged 13.9 points per game, 13.8 rebounds per game. But when healthy and shown in 2018-2019 season, he was a top 10 center in the league as far as plus minus goes. When you think of Clint Capella, we haven't seen him in a Hawks uniform yet. We haven't seen him in a starting lineup, but what you can expect is a good defensive rim protector a good pick-and-roll player, rim-runner, to go alongside John Collins, who will both compete for boards and will help give the Hawks possibly more second-chance opportunities and improve their interior defense. I think that they will both complement each other very well, especially with John Collins' continual improvement and expanding his game away from the basket, shooting 40.1% last year from the three-point line. And I think that it will continue to open up floor spacing offensively for the Hawks. So I'm really excited to see the pick and roll opportunity with him and Trey Young and just him helping to get boards, get second chance opportunities and help space the floor. Now, although, like I said, we have not seen him healthy on the floor in a Hawks uniform, but I think that Hawks fans should be excited bringing Capella. Obviously, we traded from Houston to get him, put him into the starting lineup. We have him as our first string center. Second string Center, who I mentioned in previous episodes, Dwayne Dedman. Uh, I think that's a great one to punch from the center position. So going forward, the Hawks fans should be very, very excited to see Dedman and Capella anchor in the five position for them. Now, we heard a lot more rumors. And before I start with some rumors, I'm going to start off with a hot take that may not be that hot. But I forecast that. I forecast that this season, this offseason specifically, is going to be a year of transactions and as far as trades. I feel like a lot of trades are going to go down and there's a lot of rumors uh, that we heard circulating between the Warriors, the Knicks, the Jazz, the Bucks, Oklahoma City, and even possibly this Hawks team having rumored roster moves. Uh, So, like I said, I don't think it's a hot take. But the thunder in the distance and the eventual lightning strike, that is the official start of the offseason to happen. Uh, it's going to be a lot of thunder, a lot of rumblings going on until we kick this off season off right as we want to. So, as I mentioned earlier, with the league talking about the draft not being until mid-November at the latest, it will give a lot of teams and players time to think of their options going forward as to what is in their best interest For their respective futures, whether you're a player, whether you're a franchise, there's a lot of decisions to be made. And with the salary cap in flux after COVID-19, cutting revenue streams across the league, there's a lot of contracts that teams currently have on their rosters that they would love, love to pawn off onto other teams. Examples of that, Buddy Heald in Sacramento, Julius Randle in New York. Eric Bledsoe, who has been in rumors of talks being shipped out of Milwaukee after they got bounced out of the playoffs this year. And last year it was D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins with the Warriors trade, the quote unquote blockbuster trade last year, the swap contracts. And as I mentioned before, the Bucks are shopping Eric Bledsoe this offseason in attempts to try to trade for another player that would entice Giannis to commit long term to Cream City which I got to say, even though I understand the context of the nickname of Cream City and those alternate uniforms are clean for the Bucks, I got to give them that. Cream City just doesn't do it for me without making me laugh. It just sounds just gross. I'm not going to lie. Cream City, like, what is that? Now, I don't know how Giannis feels about his current residence nickname as far as Cream City, but seemingly Cream City isn't doing it for him as well with reports over the weekend after the Bucs were recently bounced from the Eastern Conference semifinals by the Miami Heat, the talks of the big man's future in Milwaukee are heating up, with Giannis being linked to several teams like Miami and Toronto, along with the news of him unfollowing the Bucks organization and his teammates on Instagram. And they had a reported three-hour-long meeting with Bucks management talking with Giannis of their plan to build a title contender for the next couple years to entice Giannis to stay. But could he be on the move? Hopefully, on the unveil of the plan will entice him to stay as to how they're going to build a team to win next year. But is it time for a new city for Giannis? That's not Cream City. Well, here on Ball Hawks, We're obviously going to talk all Hawks. And I think right now we need to talk up Giannis to the Atlanta Hawks right now. These rumors start. uh, Campaigns start. It starts with a rumor. It starts with a tad bit of information that's put out there from the media that fans get the buzz going. And I think that Fans, we should be talking up Atlanta as a potential landing spot for Giannis. You know what the city of Atlanta has to offer. You know the culture that's in place in the young roster and the potential future that we have with the pieces that we have here on the Hawks roster. So we're a franchise with a lot of money to spend, a lot of money, attractive market, a lot of opportunities for money outside of the game of basketball, a young team. You already have an all-star to pair alongside of Giannis that doesn't force the ball specifically into Giannis Antetokounmpo's hand. You have a guy who's a capable ball handler who can run the offense and set it up and get his own shot so that it doesn't have all the load on Giannis Antetokounmpo. But for Atlanta to get Giannis, the Bucks would have to force to trade him. And they would hope to get value in return for him before obviously giving him an opportunity to turn down the Supermax contract this year and leaving it up to open market for him to sign Giannis Kumpo and not get anything in return for him. So like I said, the Hawks certainly have a lot of cap space and assets that they could send to the Milwaukee Bucks, including the aforementioned John Collins. And the reasons I'll give after this, the reasons to trade slash keep Collins. So there's a little bit of a two sided coin here. So as far as John Collins, his shooting is far better than Giannis from outside. Shooting 40.1 percent from the three point line, as I mentioned earlier in the broadcast and on three point six attempts per game and career highs across the board for John Collins. So he had a career year last year, 21 point. 10-rebound type of guy, very efficient from the field, one of the most efficient players in the NBA. He's top 15, if I want to say, if not for sure, top 20 most efficient players in the NBA. And I know for the Hawks, we wouldn't mind trading away John Collins if we knew that we were going to get a potential back-to-back MVP in return to help us solidify things on the defensive side. And Giannis can get his own shot, can get to the rim. At will, um, and as far as a shot, he's working on his three-point shot. He does; he gets his own shot at will because he's taller than most defenders, and he's a he's a, he's a bull in a china shop when he's driving down the lane. No one wants to get in front of him. You barely want to take charges from him. I mean, psh, he is a force to be reckoned with. But as I mentioned, the Hawks would have to give up a considerable amount of assets along with Collins to make this trade work. Now. Is, is it worth betting the house on Giannis? As I said, Giannis would improve the team's offensive and defensive efficiency ratings off the bat, just with his presence, just with his game and how he plays. And as I mentioned, the pairing of Giannis and Trey Young could give the Hawks a legitimate duo that could match up with the other duos in the NBA, like a hmm, a team that we're always connected to, a Dallas Mavericks with Luka and KP. Uh, I mean, as great as KP is, Luca is great in his own right. I know there's going to be conversations comparing Trey and Luka basically for the duration of their career, but I'm going to take Giannis instead of KP, even though KP can stretch the floor. Giannis is a little more durable as we've seen in his career, and he, like I said, he's a back-to-back MVP, uh, potentially, potentially. The, the vote hadn't come out, but I would assume that he would win the MVP this year. So I think that the pairing of Trey Young and Giannis is better than the pairing that he had in Milwaukee with Middleton and himself, which is not a knock on Middleton. Middleton himself is an all-star in his own right and must be talked up as well um, for the great play that he had in the playoffs. But if the Hawks want to be a potential landing spot, programs like myself here at Hootball Hawks and other Hawks programs and national media eventually, once it trickles up that way, have to start talking about Giannis potentially being, In Atlanta, in Atlanta Hawks uniform, it's been circulating on social media. He looks good in a new Hawks uniform, I must say. But it has to continue to be talked, be mentioned. So in every episode, no matter how big nor small, I'm going to mention Giannis to ATL. Giannis, ATL. Put it together. Think about it. Chew on it. Swallow it. Spit it out. Drink it up again. And actually, digest it because I think it's a really good fit if that were able to happen. Now, we all know the other possible suitors. Miami is a possible suitor, and rightfully so. They have some pieces they could trade. Uh, Golden State has been linked to uh, Giannis for the last year and a half, uh, and they would have to trade players and picks to entice Milwaukee to trade Giannis to the Golden State Warriors as the Golden State Warriors have a serious salary cap issue that they would have to work through in order to make room for Giannis's contract there. I know Toronto is another landing spot for Giannis because of his longstanding relationship with Masai Ungiri, the GM for the Raptors, Um, but I always felt that if Giannis were to leave Milwaukee, it would be for A, a better market, a bigger market, and better market, Two, another title contender slash championship organization, and three, an in international city. And currently, Atlanta feels two of those three, um, obviously not the title contender championship organization yet, but under Travis Schlenk, util- utilizing the Golden State Warriors template that he witnessed, leading them to multiple championships under Bob Myers in that brain trust in Golden State. Atlanta has all the pieces to be great and to potentially build a championship organization that has eluded this franchise since its inception. Once again, the Hawks' recent draft picks have given the Hawks the flexibility to make decisions that can help propel them into the Eastern Conference playoffs, hopefully in the next two years. And I think with a with move of Giannis Antetokounmpo to the Hawks next year, if this were to happen... This would no doubtably move the timetable up, and I think that the Hawks will be a playoff team next year and be in discussion as a top six team at the minimum in the East. So with that, we'll continue with our running segment of if the Hawks actually keep the sixth pick. Woo! So on past podcasts, we have talked about Danny Avila, my favorite player, That I would love to see the Hawks draft. Devin Vassar from Florida State. I'm going to keep talking about him. Keep mentioning him in the podcast. So I mentioned both of them in previous episodes. But another player that feels a wing need that could be at six for the Hawks is the former small forward 6'6", 225, former freshman Isaiah Kokoro from Powder Springs, Georgia here in the Atlanta area where at Auburn he was an all-SEC player last year, as well as the all-SEC defensive team and the all-freshman team for the SEC, and helped Auburn on the run to the Final Four as a great defender, great facilitator on their team. Now, him being 6'6", one of his knocks that I've seen in a lot of profiles rating Isaac Okoro, is his wingspan. He only has a six, eight and a half wingspan, which is shorter than what some teams will look for a guy his size. But he has a lot of great things going for him. He's a very selfless player and a really good passer for a wing. With, he has high IQ, a high IQ player on both sides of the ball. He's a really good defender, and he makes a lot of plays that doesn't beat you on offense. And he's the type of player that's going to play to his strengths. He's not going to play really outside of his game. He knows what he's good at. He's going to stick to it. And you're going to need some mature players especially young players coming into the league if let's say they the hawks make moves and they want to win now their playoff team now a player like this could fit in the system grow but also you can put him in the game and he won't hurt you because he knows what he's good at as well so he's a great defender as i mentioned he can guard positions one through four potentially He had a defensive rating in college of 101.3, which is pretty dang good. And if you stack that up, obviously it's a college game. But if you stack that up in the NBA, if you had a 101.3 defensive rating, you're probably one of the best defenders in the NBA with that number. So. Pretty good defender as a young player. He's only going to get better with experience and continue to work on his foot speed, which one of the knocks on him is he has good foot speed, but it could be better. could be better, but he's great at anticipating and getting in front of defenders, getting charges called. So that's one of the things that, hey, he may not have the foot speed, but he's smart defender. He's going to put himself in position to guard whoever he has to guard and try to stop them and limit their game. He's a good ball handler for a wing. Can use both hands, and he'd be classified as a slasher. Get to the rim and finish pretty consistently. And he was—he can be a secondary playmaker with potential pick and roll potential if his shot comes around. And he's a pretty good passer already in the pick and roll situation. Now he wasn't put in that role much at Auburn, but just from little flashes and the ability that he's shown, his intangibles, he looked like he could. That that aspect of his game could expand at the next level upon expanding his range and working on his shot. He does a great job of drawing fouls, but one of the things that he needs to get better at is improving his free throw shooting. So, I like his aggressiveness, I like, it. I like his ability to draw fouls, but you got to work on the free throw shooting. Tremendous athleticism. He has high energy, high motor, high flyer. Uh, with comparisons of his game to Andre Iguodala and Karan Butler, both players jack-of-all-trades. And this is what a lot of scouts are saying. He's a guy that's a jack-of-all-trades, can do so many different things, good for your team. And I think that that can help contribute to winning basketball. So I really like Isaac Decoro. Like I said, some of the things he needs to work on, I mentioned free throw shooting, uh, foot speed. And his outside shooting um, at his time in Auburn, he was only a 28.6% three-point shooter. So that would be something with him playing probably the three, sometimes the two, depending on lineups that you would hope he improves getting into the league. Now, he has good touch. So a lot of people who have good touch, it makes it a little bit easier for them to learn how to shoot better. So hopefully he can get into the lab and work on that. Throughout this time, this long hiatus leading up to the NBA draft, it shows scouts that he has improved that shot. And hopefully that will improve his draft stock. But not too much, because if we keep the sixth pick, like I said in this segment, I would love for him to fall to us. But personally, like I said, I love Devin Vassell. But Isaac Okoro, great, great prospect as well. So closing, as I mentioned, I know it could be disappointing about the talks of the uncertainty of when the draft will exactly take place as far as the official offseason will take place. But here on Hoopball Hawks, we always look at the positives. That's why we talked about the positive of Clint Capella returning and Clint Capella with the uncertainty of when the season will start. It just gives him more time to continue to work on his game, work with his teammates and have the coaching staff see glimpse of his game and how it can fit into this front court, into the starting lineup. Next year, the Hawks will have even more time to continue to evaluate these draft prospects and decide if they are sitting on someone that they just can't pass up at the sixth pick and they need to hold on to it, and this is the player that can make them better and propel them next year and develop into a player that could help continue to put this grand puzzle together that is the Atlanta Hawks going forward. You have more time to have conversation with executives around the league as to possible use of these assets that they have stockpiled on this team. And it could be an opportunity to cash in with all these assets and picks to get an all-star caliber player, as I mentioned on, on past programs, with a Draymond Green, with a DeMar DeRozan. And as I mentioned this podcast, Giannis. Talk up the Giannis to ATL uh, campaign. Giannis to ATL. And hopefully adding an all-star caliber player can help end this mild hiatus from postseason play for the Hawks and hopefully get them back into the playoffs hopefully next year if not within the next two years so with that that is the program for today if you love what you heard today give us five stars like Yo Gotti likes his girls give us a review share with fellow Hawks fans and basketball enthusiasts across the globe make sure you give us a follow at Hoopball Hawks on Twitter that is at Ball Hawks. Check out our contact at hoopball.com. That is at hoopball.com for all the other teams that we cover as well as sports betting and the wonderful box score breakdown in NBA Today from great hosts that we have here on this talented program. Follow myself on Twitter at Brad Jarrett, 6'7", Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T, 6'7", on Twitter. And as i like to end our program, in the words of the great Stephen A. Smith, holla at your boy!